Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on the Leadership Habit Podcast this week, we are welcoming back Andy Fell. And Andy and I sat down to talk about how to live your best life. Yes, this is a motivating podcast, one that is going to inspire you to live your life with intention. Now, as I said, Andy has been on the Leadership Habit before, but for those that might not know him, let me tell you a little bit more about Andy Fell. After almost 20 years of senior leadership roles in financial services split across the UK and Australia, Andy left a highly successful career in 2017 to found Gift 631, a four-pillared leadership team and personal development business. As a coach, conference speaker, business consultant, and facilitator of leadership and talent development programs, Andy's passion and expertise centers on helping people, teams, and businesses unlock their potential by creating high-performance cultures. His leadership lessons are communicated as simple, practical, actionable, and experience-based frameworks, strategies, and routines that are suitable for all sectors and experience levels. Andy's core purpose is to help people pass their own rocking chair test, the title of his first book. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, how to live your best life and how to pass your rocking chair test. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall, and I am so excited to bring back to the podcast, Andy Fell. And he is here to talk about his newest book, The Rocking Chair Test. I am going to leave it there because I want to tease you a little bit as to what we're going to talk about today, which hint has something to do with being your best life. But Andy, we've had you back on the show or we've had you on the show before, and it was a great success. And I know that what you do, how you work with people, how you serve your community really does help them live their best life. But for those that might not be as familiar with Andy, and this might be the first time meeting you, could you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely, Jen. And um, it's absolute privilege and a pleasure to be back as well. And um, yeah, I was born in England. I grew up in England and uh, I kind of found my way into financial services when I'd left university. And um <clears throat> very through my 20s, I, I just found a real niche in, in first of all sales and then sales leadership. And I had, had a tremendous um early part of my career. And I was just leading bigger and bigger businesses. And and most of my career was spent actually leading large-scale people-centric distribution businesses. So branch networks, um, contact centers. And teams of private bankers or, or mortgage advisors, relationship managers. And then in my mid-30s, I actually hit quite a challenging time in my, my life and my career. And, and that's when I really started to think about, you know, I never want this to happen to me again. So how do I create some winning habits, winning frameworks, winning routines to enable me to be my best self? And I kick-started my career until the wonderful global financial crisis came along. And then I was made redundant. And Jen, I'm a I'm a massive believer. There's opportunity in absolutely everything, as long as you're willing to to look for it. And on the back of that, we relocated out here to Australia's Gold Coast. And then I spent another seven years in financial services here. And then turned fifty, and I took the rocking chair test for myself, and that drove significant change in my life. Uh, I left corporate six months later, and I set up the business that I run to this day, a business called Gift Six Three One. And essentially, as you say, 
the way I serve my community is through coaching. It's through my What Winners Do, um, you know, personal development events. It's through leadership talent development. And I work with clients off-site to help them with their, their culture, their strategy, their vision, their values, um, and how to execute on that strategy. And that's what I do to, to this day, although I, I suppose I should say now uh, I'm also a published author. Yeah, a published author, which we're going to be talking about your book yes, today. Absolutely. The, the Rocking Chair Test, a step-by-step guide for being your future you. So today's our topic, I love this topic, is talking about how we can live our best life. So let's dive into it. You said at 50, you took this test. Tell us a little bit more. What is the rocking chair test? How did you decide to write this? Because it was enough for you where you decided to write a book about it. So tell me, tell me your process or your journey to getting to your book, The Rocking Chair Test. Yeah. So we were away in Bali for, for my 50th birthday. Myself, my wife, Leona, our three amazing girls and our best friends and, and their three boys. And on my 50th birthday, my, my eldest daughter, Emma, had she created this beautiful experience for me where in the villa that we were staying, she hung these 50 photos from 50 different moments in my life. And in between each photo was this palm card, this speech card. And each speech card started, I love Andy because, and was written by somebody who was there. So it's it was a really, it was an incredible experience. Was, and as I was going around, Jen, I was reading these speech cards and I was looking at these photos. My mind went to Sir Richard Branson, who talks about the rocking chair test. And Sir Richard talks about you're 90 years old, you're sitting in your rocking chair outside your house, you're looking back on your life. What do you want to be saying to yourself? Do you want to be saying, well, I could have done this, I should have done that, I wish I'd done the other I had the ability to do this, but I didn't. Or do you want to look back on your life and go, well, maybe I didn't get everything right, but at least I gave life my best shot. So I made a couple of decisions. First of all, I decided I'd achieve more in the next 25 years of my life than the previous 50. And I see a lot of people slowing down at like 30, 35. They go, my life is set. You know, I've got a steady job. I've got a steady relationship. I've got kids. I'm thinking about kids. I've got a dog. I've got a goldfish. And I believe we can reinvent ourselves tomorrow if we so wish. So first of all, I decided I was going to accelerate through the next part of my life. And secondly, I knew that if I was going to pass the test myself, I needed to, I needed to set up my own business. I needed to set up GIF631. I needed to get out of, of my corporate life. So if you can imagine, I'm a, I'm a general manager uh, of a bank, a senior vice president, I would imagine in North American uh, language, and with everything that goes with that. And six months later, I quit and I set up, you know, as an entrepreneur, a small business owner of one. And uh, but I needed to do that to make sure, you know, I live true to my purpose, true to my passion. And I passed the rocking chair test. Yes, I love I love the rocking chair test because too many of us, of course, are living our lives on autopilot, feeling like we can't start over or that we've come too far to make any adjustments. So when you wrote this, I love the story that you had of realizing I need to make a change because I want that story to be different when I'm at 90. Who do you think needs to read this book? Yeah, I think that's a brilliant question. I think you know, everybody from a lot of people in their late teens, early 20s have read the book to give themselves some simple frameworks, some simple habits and routines to really start them on that journey. A lot of people, as you say, are operating on autopilot. 
they are absolutely the people who will um, get great value from the book. But I've also found people in, in a later stage of life, you know, there's one of my, my readers, he said to me, I've done two things. I, I've retired from my corporate life. This has helped me think about the way I play golf. And I've immediately gone out and bought copies um, for my kids um, who, are, who also now have their kids. So he said, I've bought copies for kids and grandkids. So I believe it's it's a book that will have value to um, everybody. So you might be a really successful business leader, um, but there'll be people within your team and business who are not where you are. And I think it's a beautiful gift for them to help them reignite their spark, to help them get out of autopilot and, and move in the direction of, of you know, their potential. Yeah, and I, I love that thinking through, it's not even just autopilot, it's being, you know, that stuck feeling that so many of us, can find ourselves in. I feel stuck here. How did I even get here? Can I get out of here? I mean, I relate to that just because I think there's many periods in my life, even when I feel like I live life on purpose, time will pass. I'll get more involved in certain projects or, you know, roles, and I'll find myself getting away and being bogged down into things that don't serve me. It's so easy to fall it from being intentional with your time to then all of a sudden time passes and you realize that you're an autopilot again. But I, I do love that you talked about how it's for, you know, the masses in the sense it's for someone that might be starting their career, starting out in their life to think about how to be more intentional to someone that's been later in life, thinking about how they can redesign and find different meaning and value. What are some of the key points that you would want people to walk away with after reading this book? And I know we're going to dive in how to live your best life, but maybe more specifically, how can they use this book? Is it maybe for someone that's trying to determine their passion or trying to determine what's next or simply just trying to determine what small choices will lead to greater fulfillment? How can people use it? Yeah, and and your point about people who are stuck, I, many of the, the habits, the frameworks, routines that I describe are from times in my life when I, I was stuck myself. And this is how I, I became unstuck. Um, so the, the book follows my success formula, which is a combination of, of goals um, plus mindset. And I'm a fundamental believer, Jen, that what holds so many of us back is our own level of self-belief, self-confidence, self-esteem. So when that's high, we're willing to take more risk, we're, we're more decisive, and we're willing to step further from our comfort zone. When our self-esteem, our self-confidence is low, we, stand, we tend to stick with patterns, even though we know they're not serving us. So I talk about goals, I talk about mindset, I talk about how to sift through all of the, how to use time effectively and sift through all the busyness of, of life and the world today to find the action that really makes a difference. So how do you, you know, be busy and effective as opposed just to be busy and busy? And then the final element of the book is really talking about how do you continually improve and what are some of the techniques that, that I use and I encourage other people to use to, to debrief, to drive continuous improvement. But for me, it all starts... It goes back, um, it's very practical. It, it goes back to some of the actual times when I was stuck, like when I was a bank manager very early in my career. And I'm running this, this branch of 75 people and 
I'm going home at night going, what have I actually achieved today? I've been incredibly busy, but have I actually made any progress at all? And, you know, I started my first signature habit um, 30 years ago, which was Mozart time, which is really just stillness. It's, it's time away from technology, away from interruption, away from disruption, just you, your thoughts and your journal. And it's that ability to slow down so you can hear yourself think. And I'm a great believer that greatness requires stillness. Um, I only operate at two speeds. I'm either really fast, and I do believe speed stuns, or I'm really slow. But I need, to, I need the moments of stillness and slowness to really think. And when I think I make my decisions, because when you go fast, you want to make sure there's a good chance you're going fast in the right direction. So balancing stillness and speed, I believe, is a superpower of mine. And that, for me, is the place for everyone to start. People just rush through, you know, the day-to-day world. They get up, they're driven by the, their inbox or they're driven by social media or they're bombarded by news feeds and they just get off in a, in, in a very reactive way. And I believe if we can be very intentional in the first hour of the day and really set ourselves up for success, if you win the first hour of the day, there's a good chance you're going to win the rest of the day. So Mozart time was my first signature behavior, which forms part of my, my daily morning routine. Oh my gosh, I need Mozart time because it is, it's so easy to just wake up and be driven by whatever the first email that you see, whether it's good, whether it's bad, that can dictate how we might feel the rest of the day. Crosshelm is a global organization dedicated to developing effective leaders. Companies all over the world have seen their managers transformed into leaders through our award-winning and accredited leadership development programs. Our signature BPM program provides interactive management training with a results-oriented curriculum and prime networking opportunities. If you're interested in learning more about our flagship program and developing your managers into leaders, please visit our website to find a leadership trainer near you. Or maybe you yourself have always wanted to train and develop others. Crestcom is a global franchise with ownership opportunities available throughout the world. If you have ever thought about being your own boss, owning your own business, and leveraging your leadership experience to impact businesses and leaders in your community, Crestcom may be the right fit for you. We're looking for professional executives who are looking for a change and want to make a difference in people's lives. Learn more about our franchise opportunity on the Own a Franchise page of our website at crestcom.com. Now, I have to ask this because, and I'm a coach and I know you're also a coach. And when we talk about living life, you know, living our best life, one of the patterns that I see is that many people, the reason that they don't live their best life is that they either feel like they can't because it's just not possible. There's no way to align it. Or maybe they feel like that's selfish or it's going against what my parents or what my spouse or my partner might think about, you know, who I'm supposed to be. And I guess that's more simply, I run into clients that struggle with even living life with intention because they want the life, they want the validation from others to make sure that they're getting it right. How do you help your clients kind of let go of making decisions to make others happy to give themselves permission to make choices, to make themselves happy. Yeah, and what what you said last is so important to me. You know, if you think of those two sources of validation, there's external validation where you need the, you're wounded by the criticism others, but you also need, you know, the praise and and, and that starts often when we are children. So there's external validation. 
And then there's internal validation, which is all about what we think of we. And when our internal validation crosses over from our external validation, the day you realize the only person who can truly judge you in life is you, and you're more reliant upon your self-validation, your internal validation, as opposed to all of this external validation, is a really empowering day. It's a really liberating day. So how do you and I and people who do what we do, how do we build someone's self-awareness so they can recognize the only person who can truly judge them is themselves? And that's where the mindset techniques within the book really come in that, you know, it's not a fear of failure that holds so many people back. It's that fear of judgment, judgment by others. And many of the techniques are about enabling you, once you raise your level of confidence, your belief, and your self-esteem, that reliance upon external validation can fall away. And you do become, you know, more self-validating. When you know at the end of each and every day, if you've given it your best or you've not, you don't need anyone else to tell you that or otherwise. So that's really important, Jen. The critical thing, though, is you don't become arrogant. People who are off the scale internal validation, they stop listening. You know, they think they're, they're the complete deal. So they, they no longer listen to, to feedback and they just, their ego becomes out of control. So it's, it's, a, it's a point on the journey where your primary driver is, is internal, but you still listen to, I would say, feedback is the breakfast of champions there's a difference between feedback, as we both know, than criticism, but you're still willing to listen and absorb, you know, constructive feedback that's going to help you become an ever better version of you. So I think that's really, really powerful. And the other thing I would say when you talked about parents and, and even partners, ideally, and I encourage this in the book, is, is to think about your desired future state, you know, as a partnership. So my wife, Leona, and I, we start every day with our morning movement unless we're doing, you know, I'm doing a podcast like this um, early in the morning. We'll start each and every day with our morning movement. We've got a very, very clear, you know, defined future state. And our desired future state is something we both, you know, um, we're both seeking to move in that direction. So it's, it's a collective kind of um, state where we want to get to. And everything that we do, every decision we make, we ask ourselves the question, is it going to take us in the direction of that desired future state? Or actually, is it going to take us slightly away from that desired future state? And if it is, why are we then doing it? And we'll have a conscious conversation about, you know, why, why we're making a decision that's actually not aligning to where we ultimately want to get to as a couple. And that's how we're going to pass the rocking chair test, by the way. It's constantly moving in the, in the direction of that desired future state. And I believe, Jen, that would help so many people so much if they just took that Mozart time and say, well, you know, why am I here? What am I most passionate about? What is the life that I would love to live? And even to do some, some blue sky thinking, if time and money was no object, how would I be living my life? Right. And that can be a really kind of North Star, a real guiding star for people. And then you know, if that's the vision, how do you then set some goals? And what's really important to me is, you know, I set what I call SMUT goals. So I reject SMART goals, which I know is, is very, very popular, but SMART goals to me are, are based on the past. They're not based on opportunity or possibility. 
They're based on the past. This is what I've done. So how do I do a little bit more? So I think it breeds a level of mediocrity, you know, and if you achieve smart goals, it doesn't really transform your life as so many people are operating so far within their potential. It's untrue. So if you think about smart goals, they're specific, they're measurable, they're unachievable, they're unrealistic, and they're time bound. So they're massive. So every time I set a smart goal, do I expect to achieve it? No. But I know even going 50, 60% on the journey will take my life so much further than if I set this little smart goal and I achieved it. You know, and then all you need to do is, is go massive in terms of your goals and then have a really clear process to break them down to the action level. So I go big in terms of my goals, but I focus small on the actions that I need to take today that are going to take me in the direction of those goals and ultimately my desired future state. Oh my gosh. You've said so much there. One, <laughs> I love the confidence framework, like you know, internal versus external validation. Many of us were never conditioned to love ourselves. You yeah, know, absolutely. that's something we were never taught that, or we were taught, yeah, it's bad, or you're cocky, or you're arrogant. Yeah. But then even in terms of goals or why we don't, you know, again, that many of us also, we don't do things for fear of judgment. Raise your hand if you like to be judged. No one's raising their hand listening to this right now. Yeah. You know, that's that's never something that any of us want. But then I love the SMART goals concept. But I can tell you that even as an individual, I have big goals. They're scary to talk about because it can feel like, I'm an imposter. What business do yeah. I have thinking that I can do this? What would you say to quell that that voice of doubt to someone that might be saying, "Well, I have big goals, but I don't I don't really want to set them because what if they're too big and what if they're just too unrealistic?" What do you say to your clients to help them navigate kind of that descent and doubt? Yeah, I would say let, let's do it anyway. You know, decide what you decide what you're going to do or decide what you really want. Give yourself a commitment test, you know, and, and I, I start less, but I finish more, Jen. And I feel so many people start lots of things, but they don't have the commitment. So it fizzles out. So I say, I'll start something else. I'll start something else. I'll start something else. So I decide what I'm going to do. I make sure I'm really committed to it. If I'm not at least a nine out of 10, I don't start. But then the critical thing for me is the gap between committing and going needs to be very, very small because you need to get into the arena of action. And if you don't, then you start to procrastinate. And when you procrastinate, this is when the, you second guess yourself. You start to doubt yourself. You start to say to yourself, well, actually, I'm not worthy. I'm never going to achieve this. What's everyone else going to think? This is kind of crazy. I'm a busy person. This is so big. So the only way you overcome that is you decide, you commit, and you go. And, and just take the first action. If you take a, a great action, fantastic. How do I take more of that action? If you're in the arena of action and for whatever reason it doesn't quite go your way, that's where the debrief is so important. Well, why didn't it go my way? You know, how do I change it? How do I adapt it? How do I reframe it? But then keep taking the consistent action. And that's my one, three, six process. One smart goal, three sub goals, six next best actions. Just focus at the action level. And if you consistently taking high value action that's moving you in the direction of your goal, you can only but move forward. You may not get there but you'll get so much further up the mountain than if you, as I said earlier, just play around in the little world of, of smart goals. The other thing I would say is just put your goals out to the universe. Now, maybe you want to start with some people who will be the wind beneath your wings, 
as opposed to, you know, you might not want to publicly post it through LinkedIn or all the other social platforms that you use. I would, by the way, I do that. You know, I, I regularly will, first of all, post my bucket list and then I'll regularly, you know, share my series of SMUT goals with, you know, my winning circle, but also an inner circle of, of people that I trust. I do that for two reasons, Jen. First of all, once you put it out to the universe, naturally it, it creates a level of accountability. Um, but also it's amazing how much people want to help. You know, good people want to help you. They want to see you succeed. So it's amazing when you, you put it out, people say, oh, have you thought about this? Have you spoken to that person? I think I can help you with that. Are you sure about that? You know, let's have a conversation. Can I help you perhaps reframe that slightly? So I found it, it's been hugely beneficial. Um, good people, energy goes to energy. You know, people want to help uh, in any way they possibly can. They almost admire the fact you've had the courage to, to go, first of all, go big and, and secondly, go, go public. But for me, by going big, I have to commit. And also, when you set a smart goal, you don't know how you're going to do it. But by definition, if you knew how to do it, it wouldn't be a smut goal. Right. So it's got to link back to your purpose. It's got to link back to your why. You've got to be committed to it. You've got to be passionate about it. You know, so you have to commit to it. But then you've got to innovate and, and you, you've got to create. And it just unlocks this different part of your brain that spends time, you know, thinking, how, how, how am I going to make progress on the journey towards achieving this goal? I love that. Well, and I think that might dovetail into, so actually let me back up. So if I'm coming back to how to live, you know, your most or your best life, it does start with your goals, setting yeah. the SMART goals. And then from what I heard you say, but tell me, please correct me. It goes into our mindset. Yes. Is that right? Tell me more about what you mean by mindset. Yeah. So th there's a whole, um, there's a whole section of the book on all of these different techniques that we can use to get ourselves into the ideal performance state. So for me, it starts with my morning routine, uh, which is called the 4M routine. So starting every day with some movement, you know, a very innovative, creative state. And, um, you know, if you change your physiology, you change your state. Um, then I do a very practical stage called a, a mind cleanse, which is really, you know, there's only so many thoughts the brain can hold at any one time. So it's, it's, it's just cleansing the brain and getting all of these thoughts down. But I, it's not a things to do list, Jen, because I then prioritize everything I've, 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 I've put down in my journal either to, it's all high value action. I star all of the high value action. And my measure of success is have I completed my high value action by the end of the day, as opposed to have I done everything that's on this list. And that's very, very different. I see so many people who are driven by a things to do list which has lots of low-value tasks and, and low-value activities. I understand the high-value stuff, and, and I manage myself to the high-value stuff. If it's high-value and quick, I do it. If it's high-value and deep work, I go to my diary, and I have all these spaces in my diary for deep work, you know, 45-minute slots. And if, if I've thought of something that's deep and it needs, you know, concentrated time, it goes in the next available slot. And, and what gets in my diary gets done. So once I'm mind cleansed, I'm now in a great place to meditate. So I meditate every single day. I use the Calm app. I just do a guided practice. And it, it just reduces any pressure. 
I don't really have anxiety or stress, but it's very, as, as we both know, it's very good to reduce pressure, to reduce anxiety. But it's also very centering. It's very focusing. It's very clarifying. So that's my, that meditation only works because I've done a mind cleanse. So I've got a very, very fast, fast brain. And if I don't mind cleanse, my meditation is a waste of time. Because I'm sitting there going, I need to do this today. I need to do this today. I want to do this today. So I've got to do the mind cleanse through the meditation, which then sets up my Mozart time. So I'm, my, my, my brain is clear. You know, I'm focused. I'm centered. And my thinking is so much better quality because of my meditation. And then I do a quick act of gratitude. I just appreciate someone in my life. Um, and again, I think that's very good for, for others' mindsets, but it's also very good for our own mindset just putting a, a ripple out into the universe. And then I will use techniques for the day. You know, I will use visualization. I have visual representations all over my office, you know, to remind me of where I've been, but also where I'm going. I use affirmation. I use manifestation. So all of the range of um, mindset techniques, and you can put them into really good short, sharp habit stacks. So they just become part of your daily routine and people say, wow, that must take so much time. It actually doesn't take a great deal of time because I do them consistently and they're just embedded as part of my daily routine. Yeah. And I, I love the four M's. So really thinking through, you know, the four M's knowing, because I think I sit here, I'm like, gosh, I could benefit from doing that. I could benefit from doing that. Where would you tell people to start if they feel like trying to do all four is still a little too intimidating? Are there any four that you would recommend specifically to start with? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I would do a couple of things. I would have the discipline to do Mozart time every day. If you can just create some stillness to do some great thinking, to make your decisions will be better if you do them in an environment that's calm, that's collected, that's away from technology. So you're away from your phone, you're away from you know, your desktop or your last laptop, you're just giving yourself permission to stop and think. You know, we all need to think as opposed to just do. So I say to everyone, start with some Mozart time. And then if you want something that's, that's really quick, that's a really good way to start, I have a 60-second state changer. So if the 4M routine sounds interesting, but you feel it may be a step too far, at some point during the day, I'll just take 60 seconds. I'll rewrite my primary goal. I'll write down two or three things that I'm happy and grateful for. I'll rewrite my chosen affirmation. I'm loving being the CEO of my own life and the time and financial freedom that it brings. And then I just write down one thing that I'm proud of that I've achieved in my life, big or small. And if you think about that, even just that last stage, each of those stages, 10 seconds, right? So it's 40 seconds. If you think about that last stage, you've now got this list, if you've been doing it for a month or two months, of of 50 or 60 things that you're proud of that you've achieved in your life, big or small. So if ever you're having a moment of doubt, you just go to that list or you go to the list of things you're happy and grateful for, or you go to the list of, of it may not be your chosen affirmation. It just may be a daily affirmation. You suddenly you're bombarding your subconscious mind very quickly with all of, all of this stuff that's just reinforcing who you are and the value that you bring to the world. So that, if, if, if people say, I haven't got the time, I believe we can create the time. But if people say, I haven't got the time for the four M's, do the 60-second state changer. But again, Jen, these things only have value if people do them on a consistent basis. Yeah. 
So do you have any good cue? It sounds like the morning is one of your big cues that drives you to taking the Mozart time, uh, doing the 4M routine. What, like any advice on when people could incorporate this into their habits? Would you say, do it with your morning coffee? Do it at the end of the day. Because I think that's one of the challenging pieces. It's like, what's that cue that's going to drive me to think about the 60 seconds so I can make this a habit? Yeah, so that's a, that's a brilliant question. And what I would say to people is, is match high value activity to when your personal energy is is at its best. So, and that that's also there's no point doing Mozart time when you when you're dog tired. You've had a full on day. <laughs> so many meetings, so many steering committees. Your inbox has gone absolutely crazy. You're physically and mentally tired. That's not a great time to make a big decision or do some Mozart time because the quality of thinking won't be there. So you've got to work out, and, and we're all slightly different as, as individuals, where is our energy? Where does it tend to be at its best? And match the high-value activities to that time when your energy is at its best. Um, but the 60-second state changes specifically, I might do it just before a call with my, my biggest client or just before I'm going to do a big presentation or if something hasn't gone my way and I need to recover quickly because I'm joining you for this podcast within five minutes, I'll do it then because I need to change my state really quickly. So when I join a podcast like this, I'm in, I'm in my ideal performance state. You know, as you know, first impressions are so important and you haven't got 10 minutes to get yourself into the high performance zone. It might be a meeting with the boss. It might be a course you're running. It might be a coaching session. It could be anything you're doing within your, your working world. You need to be in that ideal performance state. So we all need these little techniques to, to get us there. I love that. Andy, you've dropped so much throughout the course of our conversation. I wish I could continue this, but I know we actually have to wrap it. But the 60 second state, like I really appreciate that. And I love that because it incorporates the confidence building moments of what you're proud of yourself for. It's that motivational energy of reminding ourselves of our big why or our purpose. And then it switches us into the out of that scarcity mindset because we focus on gratitude. And so we can see that we all actually have more than what we do. You've talked about the four M's. You've talked about the 60 second state change. You talked about smut goals. I don't even, what would I say? What would you say, you know, for final thoughts, what would be final thoughts you would want to leave our audience with? You've talked about so much and I've loved it. Well, first of all, I would strongly encourage people to go and have a look at, you know, Amazon Ingram Spa, uh, Barnes and Noble, wherever, wherever you tend to go, um, get a copy of the rocking chair test. It breaks everything down that I've been speaking about small, simple, practical steps. Secondly, Jen, I'd say I'd encourage people to go to my YouTube channel. I put so much content, Andy Fell, Gift 631. It's all there. Obviously, it's all free. It's bite-sized chunks. So gift bites, I call them, to go with Gift 631. Two minutes on the 4M routine. Two minutes on the 136 process. Two minutes on the 60-second state changer. It's all there for people. Decide, commit, go. All of my winning habits, frameworks, routines, you can find them there. So, So get the book. Um, go to YouTube, connect with me on LinkedIn, and um, I'm here to help. Andy, thank you. I really appreciate you stopping by or coming back on the show and and doing a topic that is so incredibly important because 
We are living our lives right now. Time is passing. And how do we want to live it? Thank you for stopping by to share with us so many different tools on how we can live our best life. Thank you for coming on the show, everyone. Go out and get the rocking chair test, a step-by-step guide for being your future you. Andy Fell, thank you for coming back to The Leadership Habit. It was great to have you. My absolute pleasure. It's been a privilege. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Leadership Habit Podcast. I was incredibly inspired by that conversation. Even right now, I am sitting here thinking, what are ways that I can apply all of the knowledge that Andy shared with us? from understanding the four M's to even understanding how we can take that pause and source our confidence different, differently than just relying on that external validation. Now, if you want to live your life with more intention and figure out how to live your best life and pass that rocking chair test, you can get Andy's first book, The Rocking Chair Test, a step-by-step guide for being your future you. It's available on Barnes & Noble, on Amazon, wherever books are sold. And of course, if you want to connect with Andy and learn more about what he does and how he serves his clients, you can head on over to whatwinnersdogift631.com. Now, thank you so much for listening. Of course, our goal at Crestcom is to help you, your team, and your organization be the best that it can be. And if we in any way can help you to develop your leadership skills, to give you the tools to be the best that you can be every single day, let us know. Head on over to Crestcom.com to find out more and see how you can actually register for a complimentary leadership skills workshop. Until next time.